Welcome to the Time Has Come podcast. My name is Graham Wardle, and today I have my friend Andrew Gerard on the show. Andrew is a world-renowned hypnotist, magician, photographer, filmmaker, musician. He does so many different things. He also cuts hair. He's a fascinating individual. I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with him today. He also does a magic trick where he reads my mind in this episode. It's a lot of fun, so I'm going to get right to it. The time has come to welcome Andrew Gerard to the show. Everybody on the network. Hi, everybody on the network. Thank you so much for joining us with this live recording of an next podcast episode with Andrew Gerard. Thank you to everyone at timehascome.com for being here. We're going to hang out with you after the podcast episode. And if you have a question, you can throw it in the chat. And if Andrew sticks around for a bit afterwards, hopefully he can, because I know he's got to rush to the ferry. But if we have some extra time, we're going to answer a few questions once we've finished the podcast episode. Yeah. That's cool. No math questions. I no dropped, math questions. I dropped out. So just, <laughs> unless I can use my calculator. Yeah, you can use a calculator. So, oh, yeah. An- Andrew, thank you for being here. Thank I, you for having me. Yeah, this is this is exciting for me. I've known you just for a few, maybe a few years. I think probably yeah. It's been that'd be a good question. Like maybe yeah. 2014 or 15. Yeah, something like that. But every time I see you, every time I hang out with you, you always show me a new magic trick. So we have some surprises already. Wow. Andrew has um, has uh, done some prep work with me, and so I don't know at what point during this podcast episode we're going to launch into this trick, but. Maybe, maybe we should try. What we're going to try during this very special episode of Blossom is um, what's called thought projection. So before uh, this started, I asked you, just so everyone watching knows that there's nothing set up, I asked you to take a paper and a pen and uh, to draw like a frame and inside make a drawing of anything that you want. Just nothing too complicated, no Mona Lisa's, right? Of yeah. absolutely anything. And I didn't give you any limitations that say it has to be something man-made or outside or inside or nothing, right? Yeah. Absolutely free reign. Is that true? That's true. And are, are you happy at this point that that drawing, and you have it somewhere, right? You have it in your pocket. In my okay. pocket. And are you happy that one, nobody in the world knows what your thought is, that that's your thought? Correct. And two, nobody saw you draw that. I wasn't around me. Uh, yeah, you were Dawn, facing away. You're both yeah, good, we're, yeah, we're in the other, other room here, right? You're up here in the living room, and then you went into the hallway. So, And there's no cameras in there. There's nobody, there's nobody here but us. In other words, are you confident that there's no possible way that I could know what that drawing is? And more importantly, that the people watching this don't have any idea what that is. Correct. they're going to see if they can tune in yeah. as well. Yes. So what we're going to do at home, everybody, during this podcast, I want you all to not only focus in on Graham, but focus in on yourself and focus with your breathing and try and see if you can align your breathing, not only with Graham and me here, but each other. I know it sounds crazy because there's cameras and this is technology, yeah. but this kind of connection actually transcends technology because it was around for thousands of years before these things were. So, And then at any point during the show that I feel like we're all connected, I'm going to dive in and we're going to see if we can't pluck a thought out of Graham's mind. How's that sound? I love it. I love it. Let's right. do it. Okay, Let's so... Let me have a sip of my vodka yeah. before <laughs> So welcome, everyone, to the Time Has Come podcast. I'm joined here with Andrew Gerard. He is the famous hypnotist magician. He is a musician. He wow. is a guitar player. You're a flute player. You're a singer. You're a songwriter. You also make your own perfume. You do hair. You cut hair. You do so many different things. So I just wanted to start by saying, what, what inspired you to do all these different things, and what patterns have you noticed in all the different art forms that you express? That sort of transcends all of them. You know, that's a great question. And uh, it's funny because when I meet people, if they don't know me from either TV, being on the Mind Freak show or whatnot, they ask me what I do. And I'm like, 
That's a really good question because I, I can't really, yeah. you know, say one thing because what I do and who I am isn't isn't based on a, a career. I've never kind of thought that your career is your life. I think your life is your career. Whatever you do in that mm. that playground, it's up to you, and it changes through time. Totally. So, but my to answer your question, there seems to be specific things that cross all of these these things that I'm interested in from photography, filmmaking, acting, music. And it seems to be, I boiled it down to two things. One, imagination. Mm. I don't think there's anything more powerful than our imaginations. And then two, creating. So if you can imagine something and then try to create it, that's kind of one cog in the wheel turning of of becoming an artist. And I think artists create for the sake of creating with no motivation other than to create yeah. and then we share it with each other to to kind of share who we are as people so uh, i imagine things and i create them so if you look at hair uh you know if i cut your hair and i've actually done your hair before <laughs> you think about it i imagine i look at you and i go okay based upon your face and your beard well, i'm going to do this with you and i'll cut or style your hair a certain way same thing with photography i look people i line them up i see the lighting i see their features what the same thing uh whether i'm uh doing music what am i trying to say with this song it's actually Music, like our friend Donnie Mack uh, once said, you know, the music's for other people. Once you create it and put it out in the world, it's not yours anymore. We all get a special thing from music. So even though we're the person creating this thing, we actually have very little to do with it. Once it's out of my mm. brain, mm -hmm. I never look at it, think about it, talk about it, nothing. It's kind of gone. And I think that there's something really, really healthy about that. Um, energetically because if anyone there has ever cleaned out their closet they know what i mean once you get rid of a bunch of stuff you're like oh so much better i just yeah. minim minimal and i'm like that creatively once i write a script or film a thing uh, do a photo and it's it's gone it's out of my brain and i make room and i, I clean the closet for the next thing to come in so i'm kind of fresh mm -hmm. all the time and i think that also being a little bit older i'm going to be 52 this year so that has something to do with it be having experience and mm -hmm. wisdom you know i look at now that I'm 50, when I turned 50, I started looking differently at people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. I stopped seeing them as like senior citizens that were just old people, like a lot of people do. And I started seeing myself in them, and I go, everything that we're trying to do, these people have already done. Mm. They can save you a decade with one sentence of advice. Do you know what I mean? The value totally. of wisdom and experience is something that our culture doesn't, doesn't do. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to be embarking and uh, on photographing uh people that are a little bit older and and showing oh, that cool. character actually on my instagram there's a guy named john that i met in a cafe and he had a, a crazy cool hat on white beard and long hair and i just saw him and i go that's an amazing hat you got a great look uh, can i take your photograph and he goes yes and he sat and i took one photo of him and it's probably the best photo i've ever taken it's amazing that this guy who's like 70 something yeah. so much depth and character so Beauty fades and interesting lasts forever. So mm -hmm. in my world, I'm more concerned with being interested now than beautiful, so obviously. Is, is that kind of the theme then that overarchs all these creative talents and, and ways of expressing yourself is finding things that are really interesting to you? Yes. and that, Well, that's what we all do, whether we yeah. know it or not. We're, our behavior and, and being at this is where maybe the hypnotist in me comes out or the, the student of the mind is we're, we're already primed and modeled to look at certain things, to notice certain things. If you take 100 people and you tell them to go walk down a street and then write down what they experienced and saw, sure, everyone will say, I saw a McDonald's sign because that's branding in their head, but all of them will notice different things. One guy will say, oh, I noticed this 
sidewalk the way they did the grout because I used to work in construction. Yeah. Another place says, oh, I work in advertising. I noticed the sign. It's like 8 billion people in the world. We have 8 billion different realities because everyone has their own interests. So it really comes to a question of going, what are you interested in? And so that's in this part of my life. I've always just naturally been unfiltered. I just do what I love. And I don't care if it's current, trendy, right, considered wrong. But whatever I'm interested in, I go... I like that. I don't know why I'm interested in it, mm. but I want to find out. And then once I kind of get into it, I realize why was I interested in that? And that's really the question for me at this point is I figure out what makes things interesting. And then you start to see the pattern and the puzzle pieces come together. And you're like, oh, okay, mm. We're, it's just one, every story is the same story. You know what I mean? And I start seeing that over and over. People want to feel inspired by seeing a story or hearing a story or listening to music that tells them a story or art or seeing a photo that implies a story or listen to a podcast that makes yeah. them feel so right. So we're all just telling the same story and there's only one story ever told and that's that uh, good should always win over evil. The hero's journey? Somewhat, yeah, that's in there too. Every, yeah, the, every, every story is that good should triumph over evil. Mm -hmm. That's it and you want to feel the the justice in that and the, the, the rightness about that. And it's very empowering mm -hmm. for people because it gives hope because you go, okay, goodness, good should always win. And that gives me, that gives me hope. That gives me something to look forward to that. There is some reason, bigger thought to why we do the things that we do. Stories are very powerful. They have a, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I want to talk with you about this because you know, you're also a hypnotist. Mm -hmm. You also have, you know, extensive training with this. You mentioned Mind Freak was, yeah. I think, on uh, A&E, yeah. around a billion viewers around the world that have been yeah. exposed to your work. Um, so the power of storytelling, obviously, is a big part of hypnotism. Kind Huge. Of leading people along. All so can you talk about what that process is and how we can be sort of hypnotized in a positive way with a story to inspire us, but also in a way to control us, and how that works? Yeah, and, and it's... Uh, it's so simple that it's complicated. And what I mean by that is um, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. A hypnotist isn't a guy with any magical powers. I'm not a special person. Uh, just because I've hypnotized thousands of people doesn't mean that I possess some power over them. It means that these people, when people get hypnotized at a hypnosis show, it's because they bought a ticket and went to a hypnosis show. They're ready for it. They're looking to look for, for it. it. Yeah. They're looking for it, right? Why do people say, oh, I found this amazing self-help book in Indigo in the self-help section. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> well, I went there looking for a self... You know what I mean? You go yeah, yeah, looking yeah. for what, you know, you seek what you... You find uh, what you're seeking. So a big part of hypnosis is that basically all, hypno all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. And the hypnotist is no more than just kind of a guide to help you mm -hmm. get to that place in your mind and in your body and in your sense of self that you give yourself permission um, to do whatever it is you need to do or travel down that, that, that train of thought that you need to travel down to, to effectively do what you want to sometimes change your life. or yeah. But it can be used. But the principles of hypnosis are, are, are where the gray area gets because hypnosis is suggestions, words, using words to, to uh, convey to you an idea. And if your body is in a relaxed state, and a relaxed state is somewhat of a vulnerable state, we'll call it, rather than just being relaxed. And you're in this vulnerable, relaxed state, and I give you a suggestion, and you believe that I have some authority to give you this suggestion, being a hypnotist, you're very likely to take it on. Even if you don't believe that I have authority, and I'll give you an example. 
when I was in grade five, we had class in school and everybody was singing. And um, I went to, to sing and my voice cracked. Uh, I did yeah. one of those, right? And the, the, the teacher, everyone stopped. The teacher said, well, someone's got a frog in their throat. And the whole class laughed. Mm. You know what I mean? And she said to me, she said, all right, well, some of us are meant to sing or something like that. And even though I wasn't in a relaxed state, I wasn't a vulnerable state because I was a small kid. She was an apparent authority. Mm -hmm. I was around my peers. That one suggestion that I can't sing or wasn't meant to sing was enough for me since grade five up until 40 years old to never, ever sing again. I never sang. I never do karaoke. Every time everyone went, no. And then after I had a car accident, which we might talk about, and a brain injury, it knocked something loose in my head. And when I realized, I'm like, I've been hypnotized for like 35 years. Mm. All of a sudden, I started singing. And today I have three albums, 12 music videos out, and had a, a couple of songs on the independent music network charts. And how does that happen? Because I accepted the suggestion of hypnosis. So, you know... That's like extreme levels of like, mm -hmm. you know, children being influenced for, from, by the words you say. You tell, you tell a short kid, you're short and useless. You just totally destroyed that kid's confidence for the next 30 years. They're going to have to go through all kinds of stuff to get over that. So kids are very, very impressionable that way. And so are people at vulnerable points in their life. So if you look at people that are in a low valley in their life, they're out there looking for stuff, which means they're vulnerable, Right. You don't see people that are really successful, really all together and all that and, and going out looking for help. They're doing great. It's right. only when we need it. But so you're automatically, it's an unfair situation. And anytime there's people in need, there's someone there with a credit card waiting to take their money. To, or they're really afraid. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fear. Fear. Fear, fear yeah. is a big motivator, right? Fear, um, you know, which is even in the face, people will actually make decisions doing things that hurt them based in fear and a good example is uh smoking people know smoking there's a good chance it causes cancer and you're going to die from that like that's a pretty good pretty fair thing to say i'm not judging smokers that are out there every now and again i enjoy a cigar but i'm saying if you're smoking two packs of cigarettes a day don't be surprised if you get lung cancer right but people will still keep smoking because the fear of what happens when they stop is so big that it's not worth it mm. do you know what i mean like that's crazy that's a crazy amount of fear or, or, or fear is used, obviously, I think we've seen through the media over the last couple of years is a big part of, of how the media plays into people's fears. Yeah. Like somebody once said, there is no good news station. You turn on the news, what is it? All murders today, this is yeah. all bad news. news. Yeah. You feel sick. I turned on, I'm just like, yeah. oh my God, you'd think the world is the worst. There's nothing ever good going on in the world. There's no like news where they go, oh, today two neighbors joined together and built a... A community garden and there's a cat got rescued from a tree and you know what I mean there's none of this there's yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just all the worst things because that's what people uh, gravitate to because there's comfort in that misery of going well if these people are doing horrible then I guess I'm doing okay do you mm. know what I mean and well, if you want to be on the okay side you have to do the thing and it also activates that part of your brain of like the fight or flight sort of like you know oh, oh, nervous system. Right? Yeah, yeah yeah so now you're paying attention so they can keep your attention and they can sell you ads whereas if it's a nice community garden that part of your brain is not activated. I can flip the channels, whatever, if I'm busy or something's going on. So they know that and they activate that. And so in the hypnotism world and all your experience of this, you shared with me one story about if somebody has 
a hypnosis of something, you can't just remove that belief system. You have to replace it with something. Yes. So can you talk about that? Because I thought sure. that fascinating. So you had a, a false belief or a hyp hypnosis of saying, I'm not a singer. You can't mm -hmm. sing. Mm -hmm. So how did you sw switch those? And how does that apply to other people in their life when they're you know, under hypnosis of some sort? Yeah, so anytime you deal with uh, kind of intaking a belief, there's kind of three phases to it. And having studied uh, a lot of brainwashing, mind programming, and filmed several TV shows in Discovery Channel. We did one called uh, uh, CIA Black Ops, you know, things to see what, what people would do under hypnosis. And the surprisings were very shocking. And, uh, but from researching a lot of this, um, we come across cults and cult mentality and cult leaders all do the exact same thing. They take people that are in a vulnerable state. They tell them you've been lied to your whole life. That reality isn't the real reality. They replace it and say, this is your new reality. This is the new narrative or the new story you're going to believe. And then they lock that in by saying anybody that tells you different is, is, is against you. So you now have this, what we call a binding situation, where how do you communicate to somebody that believes everything you say further deepens their belief? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, and anyone that tries to wake you up from it is the enemy trying to attack you. Absolutely. Yeah. And eventually those people will start recruiting other people. So it's not even the outside influence of the cult leader that's doing it anymore. It's members to each other. So you see a lot in, you know, countries where initially it starts at a, the level of, of influence. And then it's basically the people doing it to each other. And there's yeah. not even a source there anymore. Yeah. Generations can go by and people will still keep believing and acting these things, even though there's no initial uh, influence. So the power of suggestion and media and, and how vulnerable people are isn't a small issue. And it's, it's on such a broader scale that everybody, myself, we're all, I mean, if you ever bought a pair of Adidas or Nike shoes, or you, you know, like you've been influenced by, by branding, marketing, unless you want to go live in an island by yourself, we're all susceptible to it. The point is to understand what you choose to focus your time on is the only power you have. If you're on, say, social media and you go, oh, I just hate this YouTube channel, but you go to it every day to get upset, that's you doing it. They're not literally dragging from your house and holding your eyeballs open, right? Yeah. So be very careful how you spend your time is kind of the advice that I give people, I think. And I go, what you choose to spend your time on, it's going to overcome you. You know, and, and if that can be for something good, too. Yep. If you spend your time being creative and doing things with your friends, that's going to overwhelm you. You're going to be full of love and joy. And that's what I try and do. I only spend my time doing things I love with people I love like this. I love you. I love Donnie. Uh, I love uh, talking about these things. Hopefully people watching this will get something out of it and they'll have a conversation with someone they love. So that good kind of begets more good, you yeah. know. And, uh, and, uh, and the, the opposite of that, you think... You know, it's your life. How, how do you want to spend your time? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So with me in regards to believing that I couldn't sing my whole life, I had a lot of things that I, I didn't do before I had a car accident. So I was on TV, on the show. I was about to fly out and go back uh, to go film five days later, and I got rear-ended in a little sports car I had, and I had just bought a gallon of paint uh, from Home Depot to paint my studio. And this big truck hit me at full speed from the back. This lady wasn't even looking. Came forward, gallon of paint hit me right here in my head, knocked my uh, hearing out, separated my shoulder. I had a traumatic brain injury. I was shaking. I couldn't even talk. And I was in like concussion therapy clinics in and out, seeing 32 specialists over the course of about 
a year and a half to three years trying to get back the cognitive stuff. There is a point when, you know when you go to the parking meter and you punch in the number in your license plate? I looked at the number and I went to, and it was like, I couldn't remember it. And I go, and I couldn't do that. And I remember being on the street one day shaking. I was so upset that I couldn't do this. So I just went home and I went to pour a glass of milk and I looked on the counter and there was already three glasses of milk there. Like that's what I was doing. I was going, and on the outside, I looked perfectly fine. You'd look at me and go, oh, there's AG. He's like, you know, he looks fine. So this, you know, a brain injury, a traumatic brain injury is something that's like this invisible thing. And so that kind of, as much of a dive that it took me out of my life, it made me pick up a camera. It made me starting to write, starting to get on the other side of the industry as a producer and, and directing and, and taking photographs. I never had used a camera in my life before, uh, before that accident. I didn't know I'd have any interest in photography. It's crazy, wow. you know? Yeah, so I got really lucky um, in that kind of discovery myself. And then the singing thing happened where one day I was in my uh, apartment and a knock on the door... And a guy uh, was on the other side. His name's Mark, Irish guy. And he says, I just, uh, I'm across the hall. I'm a, a vocal coach. And I go, oh, okay. I said, that's fine. Because I thought he was telling me about the noise. I go, it's fine. And he goes, no, no, I, I noticed you had a guitar. And I go, oh, yeah, I, I play guitar. He says, can I give you a vocal lesson? Because I'm going to do classes and I need a guinea pig. And I go, oh, I said, I, I don't sing. And he goes, oh, that's fine. I'm, I, I, I teach people to sing. And I go, yeah, but I, I don't sing. And he goes, I know, I teach people that don't sing to sing. <laughs> to sing. <laughs> and I go, oh, and he goes, plus I've got Guinness. And I go, yeah, okay, that's great. So we went over, we had a Guinness, and he starts playing the piano. Can you hit these notes? We're going to do a scale. And I'm like, sure, and I'm having Guinness. And I was just so preoccupied. He's a lovely guy. And, and so I started singing these notes in the scale. And, and he's like, oh, can you do, sing these notes? And can you sing them in this order and backwards? And I was singing these notes. And he goes, you've never sang before. And I go, no. He says, you have a wonderful tone to your voice. And I go, oh, He's like, you sure you've never sang? I go, no. He's like, at the end of it, he goes, look, I'm going to tell you something. I think you can sing, and I just think you've just never sang. He goes, I think you should go write a song and and do that. And I went, okay. And that suggestion that he gave me, that positive reinforcement, negating what I believed, I went across the hall. Ten minutes later, I knocked the door. He goes, yeah. And I go, I got a song. He goes, you already? I go, yeah. So I played this song for him. He recorded it on his iPhone. He sent it to me. And I go out and I sent it to my buddy in LA, Rand Pink, who's a music producer. And uh, he owns Phonogenic Studios in Van Nuys. Uh, he's partners with Rami Jaffe from the Foo Fighters. And those guys are friends. So he listens to me. He goes, this is cool. Who's singing? I go, me. He goes, I didn't think you sang. I go, I didn't. He's like, okay. He goes, this is good. You should record this. I go, okay. He goes, come to LA. I go, okay. And I'm still, you know, still suggesting I just flew to LA the next day and we recorded the song. And then the song, uh, uh, my buddy Chris Fisher was, um, says, this is cool. He's a cinematographer. He goes, we should do a music video for this. I go, okay. We did a music video. So now I had this music video and song, and I'm sending it around to my friends. They go, can you Dropbox and email me the song? And, and then uh, Rand said, you know, just put it on iTunes. That way people can hear it. I go, okay. So I just put it on iTunes and put it out. And he says, you got anything else? And I go, yeah. I wrote a couple others. I had a song called Falling to Pieces. If your viewers go to YouTube, you'll see uh, and I wrote that song, and it was about my brain injury, and he goes, this is really good, so we recorded it, and then my buddy Fisher was working on Aftermath, a TV show with Anne Hesch, who sadly just passed away last year, and Anne Hesch heard it and loved it, and she said, I want to do a music video, so Fisher went on set, invited me to set, and with my guitar at Riverview Mental Hospital, of all places, and I'm sitting there, and the crew is filming a music video for me with this song, and I go, 
what's going on? This is amazing. And John Joffin, who's an amazing cinematographer and friend, one of my heroes, is, uh, you know, said, yeah, yeah, go, out, go do this. So Chris Muir filming this music video, and then he gets Anne Hess. She wants to be in it. So she's dancing around in the music video in slow motion. So now I have this celebrity and this song that I... Uh, and then uh, my friend calls me and says, hey, look on your YouTube. A guy just commented on your thing. And I go, okay, who? He goes, Tom Straley. And I go, okay, who's Tom Straley? He goes... He's a songwriter who's been writing and, and performing with Justin Bieber since he's like a kid. And he works he's with Taylor Swift and Neo and all these people. He's amazing. And I go, okay. I said, what do I do? He says, comment back. And I go, thanks, blah, blah, blah. And he sends me a message. So you got a great, unique voice. This is a really unique thing. And I go, great. He goes, you're ever in L.A.? Look me up. And I go, I'm actually in L.A. right now at the studio. He goes, no kidding. Oh, I'm not too far. I'll come by. He comes by. He was just doing a session. He's got six guitars. And he goes, uh, let's record something. And I go, That'd be great. And I says, yeah, yeah, get in. He's playing on a song called Forest Fire. So he plays on Forest Fire. And I go, this is amazing. He goes, what else you got? And I go, uh, Ren goes, play him the other one. So I play this uh, other one. And uh, so he's, he's Tom's now become a, a good family friend. I stay with him in LA with his family. And it's, this thing just spiraled out over and over. And now I've got three albums worth of material and music videos shot all around the world. And it's not bad for a guy from grade five that can't sing. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? So there's this a false belief or this hypnosis that your teacher put you under by saying you got a frog in your throat. Yeah. And then was it uh, you said 30, 40 years later? Yeah. Thirty five years later. Yeah. Years I mean, later. Yeah. Thirty nine years old. I started singing. Yeah. And then it's all flipped. Do you think you could have done that by yourself? Is is there a hypnosis that you're under that you've gotten yourself out of by yourself? Yeah. I think I think the idea of breaking your own state—that's what we call it—is a state break. Is it getting snapping yourself out of something? Often people have to hit a wall to kind yeah. of do that. Or, um, but to be honest, if I had known then what I knew now, because it's just because I'm a hypnotist doesn't mean I'm not susceptible to the power of suggestion, right? You're never, you should never think that because that makes it really dangerous for you when you think, mm -hmm. oh no, I'm too, you know, they can't. So um, yeah, I think that uh, you have to look very critically at yourself and go, why do I have these limitations? And who's really putting them on me? I mean, is there really a black cloud over my head that's doing this? Or is, and it's very empowering to know that this feeling that I have or that maybe somebody watching has isn't real from an outside source. It's created by them. You're generating this inside of you. And that's good news because if you are generating it, that means you can stop it. Mm -hmm. You couldn't stop it if it was coming from an outside source. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if you're the one doing it, it's very empowering to realize that you're the cause of some of these things and that you can take ownership of it and go, no, I'm done with that. And you go, How? just like that, I'm just not going to do it. And I've done this often in the past when I, I've, by the way, of the thousands of people I've hypnotized over the years, I've never charged anybody one penny to hypnotize them. I perform as an entertainer on stage and I charge for that. But when it comes to people saying, can you help me quit smoking or this thing, I go, sure. And the moment that money exchanges, I feel like it takes away something for me. So I just have never done that. But I told one person, I go, okay, I can help you quit smoking. There's a physical part and then there's the, the psychological. I'll be able to help you with the psychological, but you just have to not smoke for 10 days first to get the nicotine out for that to take effect. And they go, okay, great. 10 days later, they come, okay, I'm ready. I go, so it's been 10 days? You haven't had one cigarette? No, not one, not one. I go, great. I go, well, you're, you've quit smoking then. <laughs> and I go, and I said, yeah, you just need me there to give you the old thumbs up to go, you're good. I go, I'm impressed that you have such a strong brain to be able to do that. And I know that you needed permission for me to do it. And you don't need that. I'm not a special person. And I, I, don't, I don't ever. Mm. And that was very just like an aha moment for something to go, huh. Because then you think, well, if I can do that, what else can I what do? What else can I do? It's, it's, it's yeah. limitless now. I think, 
Yeah, that's um, that's something I feel like in our culture uh, we are hypnotized to believe that we don't have the power, that an expert, we have to go to an expert or somebody to tell mm-hmm. us, that yeah. give us permission, permission to yeah. do something. And then once, like you said, once you realize that you have the power mm-hmm. and you can change that belief system or that story, mm-hmm. then you're like, well, what else could I do? And why have I been waiting in these areas of my life for somebody to give me permission when I can just go do it? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Which is, which is a, and in its simplest form, that's how uh, people live. Mm-hmm. That's how... The whole, the whole existence, and it basically is going back to the same story that good should triumph over evil. Mm-hmm. That right, you know what I mean. So you're thinking, what's this negative thing that's happening to me, and I'm just want to triumph over it, and, I, and I'm free of that now, and that's that's yeah. good. So you just keep doing that, and uh, eventually, I think once people let go of all these limitations, because if you think about it, people go, ah, I got to stop eating so so poorly, and I'm like do you really want to stop eating bad food? And they go, yeah, I got to lose weight. I, it's really, really important. I go, well, what's stopping? I just keep eating. I go, so inside your brain, you're, you're saying one thing, but then your actions in the world are completely opposite. It seems like you're the only person doing that to yourself. You know, there's no outside person there. You're, you're home. Yeah. And so once people kind of, because um, I believe our, Graham, I believe our subconscious minds are, not only a part of us, I also feel like it's almost like a separate part of us that is spiritual in nature and also kind of physiological with our brains because I think of myself as being in a relationship with that part of myself. And imagine, how many, how many times have you sat down and talked to your subconscious directly? Imagine being in a relationship with someone. You sit there and you go, how was your day today? And they never answer you. They never talk to you. For years, how old are you now? 27? 36. You're 36. Imagine 36 years living with someone that's never once looked at you or spoken to you and ignored you. That's how people are with their subconscious. I'm like, truly look at yourself and focus on yourself and ask yourself, what do I truly want? Every answer that you have, for every question you have, the answer, you already know it inside of you. Mm -hmm. You know it. You just don't ever talk to yourself. So I sit deliberately and I have these great, beautiful conversations with myself and I go, why am I doing this? Why do I keep... If you say... Why do I keep... You're driving down the road. That's my yeah, story. Yeah. So you go, why do I keep eating such bad food? And you go, oh, well, someone called you pork chop in grade eight when you had to play skins and shirts and basketball. You're like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Okay, and that's it. Then you go eat some broccoli and you're fine. I mean, it's <laughs> literally that simple. You, but you've, if you never have this conversation with yourself and you never connect, you're not really aligning your internal self with your external self so your actions are you're in constant conflict and contradicting yourself constantly and that is really binding for people that's why people have bad necks and backs can be one of the reasons right and stress you're out of alignment you're not you're not vibrating with yourself and and energetically in a frequency and i don't mean that in some woo-woo way i mean that that's like a very scientific i mean if, if if you are in alignment and you mean what you say and you say what you mean then you're going to feel a lot better. Yeah. And when you start to feel better, you start to like, beget more, more good uh, from that. So it's like a snowball effect. Um, but most of us, I see people all the time, maybe because I got a brain injury, but I see people all the time, they might say like, oh God, here comes that guy, Donnie Mac. I can't stand him. Hey, how are you, Donnie? Say, they don't go, I don't like you. You know what I mean? Right, they, right, right. they don't say, and I love Donnie, by the way. <laughs> I love you, Donnie. But, but they don't say what they mean and mean what they say. Do you know what I mean? Which is such yeah. a basic thing. Yeah. And I think of like our life is like a cross section of opportunities. And you and I and your viewers right now, we're missing out on everything that's happening 
everywhere right now. Everything that's going on on planet Earth, we're missing out on it. There's rock concerts. You could be eating lasagna. You could be petting a dog right now. You could be doing anything, but we chose to do this. Mm. So the only thing sadder than missing out on every experience in your life and only experiencing this thin cross-section of experience is not truly appreciating what you actually chose to do. Yeah, and to be present with it. To yeah. be right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to go somewhere. I don't know why people go in there and go, oh, I don't like this. I'm like, what are you doing? You can't, <laughs> you got like, you're going to, you know, you're dying. Like, this is like, this is it right yeah. now. You know, yeah. like, there's going to be, like, we're sitting here. We can walk. We have our health. We have uh, great hair, you and I. Sorry, Donnie. <laughs> but we have, but we have, we have all these things going for us. And to go, there's people that can't walk. There's people that don't have legs exactly. or can't eat. They don't have their health. Yeah. Some people don't have great hair. <laughs> and, you know, so you have to appreciate everything. Amen. I mean, I don't know why everyone isn't just ecstatic all the time. Maybe it's from my brain injury, but I, <laughs> my mom says I have the happy gene. So I'm just like, you know, I'm a golden lab. I just wake up every day and go, woof. So uh, guidance. This is, this is what I wanted to talk with you about. So this second season of the podcast is all about guidance mm -hmm. and how individuals experience that. So for you in your life... Mm -hmm. How do you experience guidance, whether it be intuition, whether it be, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit or God or the universe? What is that like for you? And also, just before we started this recording, you shared with me a really powerful story a couple of years ago where you had a out of body, let's say, experience. So could yeah. you share with everybody Andrew's experience of what it means to be guided or how you how that works in your life? And also tell us that story. Sure. So I think when you say the word guidance, um, it, it really implies the, the idea that there is someone or something guiding you, whether that is God or the universe or any of those things you say, the Holy Spirit. And I believe that all of those things are, in my personal self, I believe all of them are the same thing. I believe we receive our intuition, our spirit, uh, our guidance. All of that is from ourself and through God, whatever. And I use the term God very loosely to en encompass whatever God means to to somebody. Um and if you think about it, every, like I said before, every, every question you have, every mystery, the answer is inside of you. You just kind of have to look for it. You have to meditate on it. You have to pray for it. Whatever that process is for you um, or your intuition or letting it come to you. Or sometimes you already know it, but you just choose not to accept it. Mm. So in my life, I have a very simple rule of how I make decisions. I do three things. I gather facts i analyze those facts and then i make the best decision i can at that time and if i if it goes wrong it's because one i didn't gather the right facts or all the facts two i misanalyzed them or three i knew what the right thing was to do and i did the wrong thing on purpose because that can happen too sometimes you go screw it i'm having a big mac you know what i mean so um and that goes for everything now as far as uh, spiritually i've always my my entire life um you know, I have a lot of tattoos, and almost all of them are based on spiritual things. I don't have any skulls or you know swords or anything like that. I mean, they're all they're all very spiritual things, and and everything means something to me very deeply. And um, I've always had the feeling that I have uh, an outside force that's inside of me that is been there protecting me, hmm. and I've always felt that. And I'm not a woo-woo person. I'm a magician. And so I do have a very skeptical mind. I see frauds all the time, fake psychics, con artists. I spot them a mile away. And I call it out if I see it because I think that people should know the truth because the truth should matter. But with that said, I've had things happen in my life where you have to 
take that skepticism and start weighing the odds of like, how much of a coincidence can things be? Or at what point do I, am I, am I not closing doors to a point where there is no door left and I'm in a room all alone by myself? It's always good to leave the door open a crack, you know, this is a, and I'm always willing to be wrong. If I ever talk to somebody, I always assume that they may know something I don't know or that I'm going to learn something. And that's a really good mindset to have, I think. So when I get guidance, I generally, um, I mean, I do, uh, me and my wife, Rebecca, we pray every day. We say, we say grace before we eat. And I think that that's, even if you don't believe in God, that's such a good thing to do, to be, have the humility and have the grace and, th- and to say thank you mm-hmm. to whatever it is, even if it's just Mother Earth, whatever you believe, that, that's such a good thing for you. Even if you don't believe in God, if you're the selfish person in the world, do that because you're better off. It's good for you to, to do that, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's important. So, um, yeah, so circling back, about two years ago, me and my wife, like everybody, we got COVID. And um, the first five days in, you know, my wife was starting to feel a bit like she had a cold. She was just tired and sore and achy. And day five, they, they call you to say, okay, you're at the, the peak of it now. It's 10 days. This is the, the bad day. And I felt fine. You know, yeah. I have uh, Viking blood in me, I guess. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm great. This is the best day of my life. I didn't have the sniffles. I didn't have anything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And which was strange. And so they almost thought for a second, well, maybe you had a, like a wrong reading on a test. Maybe you should go get tested again. Uh, but they apparently they won't see you until after 10 days of where you're, you know, at that point. So I was at home and I was fine. And as Rebecca got, you know, slowly got better, at around day 10, I started to develop a, a fever and but it was nothing like COVID. I didn't have any of the symptoms that it was just a fever and I was sleeping. That's it. I was just exhausted. I was just sleeping and, and feverish. And that went on for a few days. And Rebecca was calling the, you know, public health officials thing. And, and they were quite, you know, honestly, they were like, oh, no, there's lots of people coming, having residual feelings and effects and, you know, nausea and all stuff. I'm sure it'll clear up, that kind of thing. So on about day 15, you know, she's like, she was getting a bit concerned. And um, I was like, just so hot. I had 103 fever. And so she said, you know, we're going to call this uh, one of these clinics, the primary urgent care, it's called. And they said, okay, uh, bring them down. And I was so weakened by then for five days. I was like, oh, but it, uh, it felt, I didn't, I still didn't have, they go, is he having problems breathing? They go, no, like I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't coughing and I wasn't doing any stuff. But we went down, went in and saw this doctor, a young guy, he was an amazing guy, and instantly he listened to my chest and he goes, your chest sounds like Velcro. And I went, okay, and they did x-rays on me and he goes, so you've had pneumonia for a few days now at least, like several days, we don't know. And I go out and I got a, a huge temperature of 103.5 and he goes, some people, they're able to fight this off and others don't. And I go, okay. And we're at like day 15 here now. And he goes, typically the number is at day 18. People, if they don't, they expire from this. And I go, okay. And he says, I'd recommend that we get you into a hospital on an apparatus. And I go, and then I realize what he's saying. And I go, I have to go home and um, I have to do some paperwork and some things. And he understood. He said, well, we're going to give you these uh, pills. There was three prescriptions. It was like 17 pills of these three things every hour, two hours for the next three days. He goes, and see if your body responds. And so I'm like, okay. So at this point in my head, I go, if I, if it's my time to go, I'm going to do this at home. That's what I was thinking. 
So I left and I went home and uh, I started taking these pills and nothing. Day one, day two, nothing. Still 102, 103 fever, sleeping 16, 18 hours of the day and sipping water. It was, it was really, really, really rough. For some reason, I liked oranges. My wife would bring me an orange bread and I would just like devour an orange. And anyway, on the day three, I remember going to sleep and I remember feeling this time that I'd kind of had these thoughts and I said, okay, I'm okay. And I thought, if this is my time, then this is my time. And I'd done my legal stuff that I had to do. And, uh, and of course, not you know, worrying my wife as much as I could. I remember going to bed. I remember going, laying down and facing the window. And, uh, and I had this experience that in the moment, it felt very surreal because what I saw was myself outside of myself and that's and I don't mean like you're sitting across from me I mean I remember seeing this image of myself and it was very specific I had on a blue shirt and Mm -hmm. my face was smiling very lightly and I was staring at myself and I remember looking in my eyes and then hearing my voice and I said you're not me but you look like me and this voice said I am you you are me and I said, who, who are you? And this voice just said, I am God. And I, I, it's so hard to even talk about right now. It's so weird. And I remember feeling this overwhelming feeling of being very open and, and very vast. And I remember looking at this going, I don't understand. And the voice said, I'm going to show you everything. And then I looked down and I was really high up. And I saw earth like rock and dust and I saw breaking through the earth these pillars that looked like they were like straight, like almost like ten-sided thing, and they were bursting through at angles, coming up at me. And there was these dancing green lights on the top of them, and there was letters and information and numbers, and all these voices started to talk, and they were, it was like languages, different languages of like millions of voices talking in every language. But in that moment, I could understand every single word that everyone was saying, and I understood it all, all at once, like. Time wasn't like this. Time was like a round thing. And it was still, and I just remember learning all of this knowledge, this like information and these letters and numbers. And I was going, oh my God. And it felt very, I felt very warm and very happy. And there was no, I didn't have any fear. There was no pain. I didn't, uh, it was amazing. And then I remembered um looking over to my right and seeing this long tunnel, which a lot of people that have had situations have said. And that's the only thing that I thought was weird. And I saw this little tiny pinhole light way down there. And I just said, I can't go that far. It's too far. It's too far and I can't do it. And the voice just said, you're going the wrong way. And then I turned around and just as close as this window was here, there was this wall of like the whitest, brightest light. And I remember it hitting my face and at that moment, I was back, opening up my eyes. The sun was beaming in through the window. And I remember feeling okay. And my wife came running in and she put the thermometer in my mouth and my temperature was 99. And I was back and she cried and I was just like stunned. And she could tell, I think, something happened and she was looking at me. And I didn't say any words. I couldn't talk for a while. And I remember going, how am I ever going to fit into this small body like this is what I felt like I was I remember touching my arms 
before yeah. you woke up, you were thinking about that. Yeah, right? I was looking down going, how can yeah. I fit into this small body? So yeah. when I woke up, I was touching my arms and my yeah. hands and I go, and I knew that this was my body, but I go, this isn't me though. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't me. And I, and then that awareness, I go, I realized, and I tried to tell myself, I go, because waking up in my bed didn't feel real. And I know that sounds crazy, but it didn't feel like real. Where I was felt infinitely more real yeah. than my entire time here on this planet. That, however long that was, it could have been a fraction of a second. It could have been a hundred years for all I know, because it, it's a weird time thing, but it felt more real than everything. So I'm like, okay. And then I still remember all of this stuff that I learned and that I felt. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I didn't go outside for a number of days, almost a week. And then when I went outside, I remember the first thing I did is I looked at the grass out front of our apartment building that I normally never really looked at, but I felt such a strong connection to it. I saw it moving in the wind and I was looking at it and I go, oh my God, like that's a part of, of me. That's, that's, oh my God. And I had this overwhelming sense of, I don't know what to explain it, connectivity to the mm-hmm. trees. But I remember looking at cars and all the other stuff. I go, none of this other stuff matters. Like this is like dust gone in like a second. Like this is not important. And, uh, you know, being a guy that has, you know, a convertible Mercedes and a Rolex, I thought, oh my God, I've, I've been, this is, none of this matters. Mm-hmm. And so I just let go of that entire side of myself. And I realized that all those things that I had acquired in my life that I thought were of any value were completely meaningless mm-hmm. and that I had accepted a suggestion. Yeah, the hypnosis that, of those things. Yeah, yeah, that we all did. And I was caught in that loop. So then I met up with a friend of mine, Sam, who's like a brother to me, Sam Vincent, an amazing actor and, and uh, one of my best friends, probably my best friend, aside from Don, of course. <laughs> and, uh, and I told him about this. And he kind of teared up because he said, he goes, you know, dude, I've been studying for about 10 years these things called um, near-death experiences or NDEs. And I'm like, I didn't know anything. He goes, everything you just said has been like, is exactly. And my mom, who's a yoga teacher, she said, this is thousands of years old and written in Sanskrit of understanding a million thoughts and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa. And, and, and I wasn't surprised because I thought, and I didn't know anything really about this. I'd heard people say a tunnel, uh, you know, yeah. a, a tunnel. And in my magician skeptic brain, remember circling back and me being a skeptic going, okay, maybe this is just your brain lacking oxygen and there's some kind of, you know, hallucination that happens and the brain is dying or there's you're dehydrated. But then the part of me that experienced this vastness and heard this, saw myself, there's, it was no competition. There was a million percent positivity that what I experienced was, was very, very real. And the success of this story doesn't revolve around anybody because I can't even put into words. Words won't explain what it is to anybody. But if anybody's experienced this, they know. And if you know, you know. And it's really weird. I've met three people since this that I look at them and I can tell. And I ask them and they know. And they know that I know. And I'm just like, it's a very surreal thing to go once you once you kind of have experienced something like this, it's really hard to go, well, what, what the hell am I supposed to do now with the rest of my life? I'm here. I don't shouldn't, you know, I feel like, and so, um, yeah, so it's, it's changed me forever as a person. And there's a lot of people that I talked to after they said, like, they're looking at me sideways and they go, you're different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to be honest, I can't even remember what it was like before that was different, but I'm infinitely more patient now. I think I'm infinitely, I love everybody. I love everything. I don't ever have any, um, you know, 
hate or any of that stuff. It's just life's way too short. Like it's such a it's such a firecracker, you know. It, once you have that perspective, yeah, and you know you see it from that angle, from that yeah. vantage point. How can you get caught in these little? These little it's places? insane, yeah. you know. And even and and the real tr- the real proof in the pudding, I think, for me is I'm a photographer, so my camera is everything, and. Recently, I was in Mexico. We went, me and my wife, for two weeks. We went there to film a yoga series, meditation series on the beach. And we stayed at this place, and I had my camera, my lenses, and mics. And um, the place we were staying had hired some construction workers off of the beach to do some work, and they'd let them in a part of the house where they could access through bars. And they stole all of my stuff. It was about seven, $8,000 worth of gear. And I was devastated, and I actually thought, is this a sign that I shouldn't be doing photography? What is this? And I felt just, and, but I didn't get mad. I just go, okay, I was just looking for how is this going to make sense? Because I go, I have my faith and I believe the silver lining here. There's a message, there's a lesson. Just because I don't know what it is doesn't mean it's not there. Yep. Do you know what I mean? So I go, okay, I'll wait. And then my wife had the idea and she said, you know what? You've helped out so many people with music videos, films, portraits, headshots. I, there's people that would love to help you. So she started a GoFundMe page for me. And I couldn't believe it. Within three days, I had John Joffin, the cinematographer, had donated $500 towards me getting a camera. And I couldn't believe it. Gemma Martini, the owner of Martini Studios, donated $1,000. Within four days, it's like $5,000 from people that, all people I knew. These aren't strangers. And I'm not one to promote these things. So I just had put it on my Facebook, said, uh, this happened, it sucks, but I'm not, again, it's, I'm going to be fine but here, and people are like, oh, you did this, sending me messages. And I go, okay, this is actually meant to be a, a wave to pick me up mm-hmm. onto the next level. And since then, I got a message from Neil Manowitz, who's the CEO of Sony North America. Hey, this is horrible what happened to you. Let me hook you up with our Sony Alpha team. Another friend, Luke Greenwood, I got a call from Jin, who's a, a Canadian Sony rep. He meets me. We meet at a, a Whole Foods. And he says, yeah, we, we talked to the pro team. Here's a camera and some lenses to loan you until you get back in your feet and if you want to you know we can help you out with maybe a discount like this is me so here i am sitting with you today i showed you earlier i have the new sony a7r5 i'm building up my gear i haven't got it all back yet the gofundme is still up till another for another week so who knows but i'm back but i'm actually inspired and i feel the support and love of everybody that supported me and i'm taking the best photos of my life the past week since i got this camera like i said john the older guy with the beard i would have never you know walked up to someone and say but the state of mind that i'm in right now i'm able to connect with people and they open themselves up to me through the lens and i capture them the truest self and that means so much to me that that's the biggest privilege it's such a privilege to be able to photograph people for who they really are especially with this day and age of filters and editing and stuff to just shoot their, who they are and have them see it. And it's, it's overwhelming. So now I look back and I go, that was the best thing that ever happened to me getting all of my gear stolen and going this lesson. So I'm like, thanks big guy. Do you know what I mean? I'm truly grateful for that. So it's a beautiful thing to recognize the silver linings, but it's not always easy. But then, like you said, as that, as you have that perspective in your life now from your experience of seeing outside of this reality and knowing it's all okay and death is not real i think you shared that with me before too you're like oh death is not yeah i have no fear of death no now. fear of death now no. so it's like okay so my camera gear was stolen well this okay why is this happening yeah now what and yeah. then and then all these beautiful sort of like experiences happen after that whereas 
you know, maybe beforehand you would have gotten really upset about that, yeah. really angry. Absolutely. But it's like, here's life sort of taking this part of it away to give you something even more. Yeah. But in the instant, in the moment, you're like, oh no. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. hard. Well, well, but you know what? The struggle, like, do you think running, uh, winning an, an Ironman marathon is rewarding? Probably, yeah. Do you think it's easy? No. It's still one of the hardest things in the world to do. Yeah. It's got to really suck to be out there, but yeah. you got to get through. If it's not the hardest time, there's no, it doesn't, it's yeah, a dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It has to. Of course it has to. So, yeah. so theoretically speaking, if someone out there is going through a really down moment where they feel just gutted and they have yeah. that, that center of their chest, be ecstatic because that means there's something really, really great going to happen yes. to you. The equal and opposite positivity is coming to yeah. you. And I want to say one thing about this. You mentioned earlier, fear of anything before I had a fear of death and a fear of dying and how long am I going to live and, and money and all these things. I don't think of any of that now. It doesn't even cross my mind, but I understand. I go, but why was I so scared? Why the fear? What that's crippling. And I realize now my mother taught me this because she's a yoga teacher too. And so is Rebecca, my wife. When you speak to your, your subconscious you have cells in your body and those cells are actually listening. Like not in a woo-woo way, in a very scientific way, your cells are listening to you. If you see people that are in their 90s and a couple and one passes away and the other one passes away the week later because they just gave up, that's all them. Do you know what I mean? The mm -hmm. people will, will rise up and stick around for each other or they'll let go. And you're in charge of that. That's all you. So when you think about your life and you think about your situation, don't say to yourself, I'm this in a negative way because your cells are listening. Throw love into yourself and your cells and you will get so much back from it. And when you put that out there into the world, even the words that you speak, if you speak negatively or something about, those are going out into the world and a hundred thousand fold are coming to that and it's spreading on. So be the, you know, be the positivity that you want to be you know what i mean you can't it doesn't come from from not loving yourself and not sending love into your into your body into those actual biophysiological cells and you radiate that i think that there's something really important to that and and so once again it goes back to being in contact with yourself and yeah. then whatever your faith is however you put that out in the world but it's really being as honest as you can be mm. and about being open you know before if somebody critiques something People get upset about that. I'm so grateful if someone critiques. I want to be the best that I can be. I want totally. to know the truth. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. You will eventually pay somebody to critique you at a level to get better. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that yeah, strange? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, when I was young and a magician, I used to have this attitude where I'm like, nobody can fool me. No other magician can fool me. And I thought, you know, I was the best when I was a young kid. And here I am at 50 going, I wish somebody would fool me. You know what I mean? I'm dying for that. It's the exact inversion. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. So it's like, um, yeah. And, and I think that magic is, is still in my life very much in the way that um, it lifts people out of their daily mindset of where the limitations are on what's possible. Mm -hmm. And people sometimes say, you know, magic is the art of the impossible. And it's not. Everyone is magic and everyone has magic because magic is an emotion. It's the way that you feel when you see something you thought was impossible happen. Because think of it like this. Oh, that's a good way to put it. I yeah, like that. Yeah. Think of it like this, Graham. Think of, think of if I said like, here, there's a couple of forks here. So this would be a good example. So say these forks. You see these forks nested together perfectly, right? If I said if I shake this fork and it looks like it's rubber, I don't know how close that camera is. Or even if it's focusing, I'll go back here maybe. Yeah. It looks like it's rubber. 
But that's impossible. What would be impossible is if I shake the fork and I tell you to watch the end and I make it bend like this and you slowly start to see it bend and come down, then all of a sudden that possible becomes possible. And now it's not magic anymore because magic is there or the impossible, but it's not. That you're, what you're feeling is magic. So you can have that feeling anytime in a moment as long as you're willing to expand your blinders yeah. and zoom out. I always say zoom out because you can't see a, a photograph when you're in it. You need to zoom out. Perspective. Yeah. You need to elevate and get a higher perspective. Yeah. And you know, if it helps you, separate yourself from yourself. When you think about yourself, say, what's, how would Graham Wardle, what is Graham Wardle going to do? And separate yourself because that's your subconscious. And you can, you can critique other people very easy. But when it comes to ourselves, we have a hard time. Try and write a script for yourself as an actor. It's very hard to do, right? Because you go, oh, me, I don't know. So separate yourself from yourself. And you can be very objective. And, and it's so much easier to do that. And you're not taking the weight of that on and then you can go okay so you find a, a part of yourself inside of yourself to love yourself and and to become the best version of yourself you know what i mean mm-hmm. and if that's what you truly want so i think um yeah i think circling back guidance the best guidance that you have is is letting go of things that don't allow you to love yourself and to send that love into your cells of your body and connecting with whatever your belief system, whether you just do yoga and meditate, whether you believe in God, whether you go to church, whether you fellowship with friends, whatever it is, do that, but incorporate that self-love and honesty into your life. Mm-hmm. And man, it's, it's, it's like, and it's not work. It's in a second. All those things fall away mm-hmm. uh, and fall away and you're finally free and you can go, okay, my life starts now. Now I can go out and do everything that I want to do and I can be and just be open to the experience. You know what I mean? Say yes. The power of saying yes is incredible. It's so true. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Andrew. Um, Wait, I I got a couple more questions for you. One, one second. Go ahead. Someone out there was just thinking about your drawing. Don't say anything out loud. Okay. Can I borrow that pad and paper? Don't say anything out loud. Okay. Just think in your mind at home, guys, whether what Graham is thinking is something that is man-made or organic. Make that decision in your mind now. Is he thinking of something man-made or organic? Every single person out there just thought organic. Think of what it might be. Would it be something like a tree Take a deep breath in with me, Graham. And I'm a horrible artist, by the way. This is exactly what I don't know. You at home, if you want to draw, draw, or you can just imagine this in your mind. I'm going to keep this here. Okay. Is this in frame? Donnie, can you see this? Okay, so this isn't going to change. This isn't going to... Actually, I'll do this. I'm going to fold this up. Hold on. I'm going to fold this in half so you can see. So I don't want... I'll tear it off there. So here we go. So now, I'm committed. And I'm happy. This is live, right? I'm happy to be wrong. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. That's... uh, You know, there's no... Failing isn't something we should be scared about. Failing is something that you should embrace and try and find. Fail as much as possible because that's where we learn. We don't learn anything when we're successful. We only learn when we fail. Yeah. But you, So I'm jumping off of a cliff, <laughs> and I'm just going to learn to fly on the way down. Love it. Okay. 
Do you have your, your, yes. your drawing? Your I'm going to hold this. Can I see what it is? And we're not going to edit to this. Yeah, you can show it to the camera there first. Okay. So that you know I'm not going to switch. Can you see that? Can I see it? Yeah. Put your hand forward a little more. Uh, Maybe if I turn it on, how about on this camera? Is that right? Bring yeah. it if you bring it right up to right? your eye, it should focus on your eyes. So Here, you how's that? It's focused. It's just yeah. small. That's all. It's just small. Yeah. What is this? <laughs> it was supposed to be like a, a husk of corn. How did I do? That was pretty good, man. <laughs> wow. And I don't know how you can hold this up. Maybe you can take a picture of that and put those That's on. That's good, yeah. And if anybody wants this drawing signed by Graham and myself, <laughs> comment and uh, we'll sign it and send it off to you. Thank you for your thoughts. Awesome, dude. Wow. Okay. Beautiful. Wow, dude. You got it. Okay. I love magic, dude. I love, I, I love it because of, um, I always, I tend to run away when magic stuff happens, but we're recording a podcast, so I have to sit still right now, but everything in me wants to run around. <laughs> <laughs> you can't run away. I can't run around. Yeah. Um, that was awesome, dude. Thank you for that. As, ever since I was a kid, I loved magic. When my mom would say, you know, go to the library, she'd say, pick out a book. I'd always go straight for the magic books because they had all the pictures. Mm -hmm. And they would always be something I could show somebody, do some, a magic trick, yeah. and their face would light up. Yeah. And then instantly they would go into that playful, joyful state. And to me, that's like the essence of being alive when you're just here and now. And like you said, the magic is like opening yourself to something you didn't think was possible before. And how beautiful that is in terms of relating to living one's life yeah. and how we get stuck in hypnosis or in stories. Mm -hmm. And then the magic is going, oh, wait a second. I have the power. I have the power to create. And I didn't think I could do this. This was impossible before. I didn't think I could sing. I just told her, I'm not a singer. And then boom, it opens up and you're like, this is what life is about. It's about this sort of adventure into the unknown, into yeah. the impossible and making it real. And I love magic. So thank you for sharing that. And yeah, thank you of for, course. Um, I know you do. And that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> And I want to say also for anybody watching, this is nothing psychic about this. This is obviously I'm a, an illusionist and a magician and a hypnotist. So I combine sleight of hand, sleight of mind, psychological, body language. Everything is encompassed in there. So what I did there, everybody could do if they mm. had, you know, no friends or life for 40 years <laughs> and wanted to do every 10 hours a day. And you got to get hit by a car. You got to have a brain injury to do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, well, let's. Uh, we're just going to wrap up here. I have one more sure. question for you, Andrew. Yes. Uh, my question for you is, and I ask all my guests this: it's about a magic painting. So, if Andrew Gerard had in his room or in his house somewhere a painting on the wall that any time you looked at this magic painting, you could feel any type of feeling you wanted to feel to any degree that you wanted to feel it, what feeling would you choose, and what would be on your painting? I have a, um, I have an expression that I, I never really say out loud. It's more of an idea in my head. And it's the idea that I spend my life chasing the horizon. So if you imagine looking out at a sea and seeing a horizon... And you ask me, where do you, what do you want to do with your life? Where do you want to go? And I go, I want to go there. And because the earth is round, 
no offense, flat earthers, but because the earth is round, if I keep chasing that horizon, when will I get there? Never. And I like that. I like the idea of sticking around and being curious. So on my painting, I see a vast ocean and probably because I have Viking blood in me from my Icelandic roots, I, 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 I love the adventure of the journey, but never for the destination. Mm. The journey, the adventure part is what it's all about. Mm. When you're finished, I went to Africa to do a TV show once in uh, South Africa, and Donnie came with me, and we went to Dubai. And, it was, and after we got home, I was like, oh, the show's done, and now it's out. I'm kind of like, we both looked at him like, where should we go next? You know what I mean? Like, that's all that I think of, like, where's the next thing? So, yeah, I love, that's, that would be my painting, is this blue ocean, a blue sky, and, and chasing the horizon. That's, that's it. And like you, I just got an RV, so now I'm, I'm hitting the road. That's, that's literally what I'm going to be. We're going to be yeah. on a road with a horizon, and I never want to get, I never want the adventure to end, you know? If someone has never felt this uh, very specific quality of adventure that you're talking about, how would you explain it in your body to them? How would you tell them this is what it's like, this is what it feels like? So you can actually experience this. And one of the things I've done in my job, was, in my life, sorry, was uh, I was a hairstylist for a number of years, for about 10, 12 years. And I had to go to hair school every day. And my apartment that I rented was about two blocks from the school. And I got really bored of walking that same two blocks every morning, right? So what I started to do is to go walk around the block and come from the other way. And then I go the other way. And then I start looking up on the street at buildings instead of straight ahead to see different perspectives. Then I start in my imagination going, what if I lived in New York? What if these are New York? And eventually I'd start getting out doing this, widening my circle. So I'd have to leave, I'd, even though I live like two blocks from school, I'd leave an hour early so I could walk 20 blocks up and around to areas I had never been, looking up, letting my imagination wander, envisioning myself as this, you know, award-winning hairstylist and doing magazines and stuff. And all of that, I didn't know. It was occupying my brain, but that's also what my future was. I literally created my future with my mind by just imagining that, and that's what it was for me. So if you want to feel that sense of adventure, everything that your conscious brain says to do in the morning, do something just a little different. In other words, if you normally have a coffee every day, this night, try something different. Try a, a dirty chai. If you walk to work or the gym this way, walk another way and look up at the buildings. When you see other people, don't try and see, like truly try and see other people's lives for what they're doing. Imagine what their life is and, and be curious about other people instead of ourselves. In this day and age, we're so... Self-consumed, yeah. This is everything. And I'm so fascinated and curious by other people. So it's like... It's, which is weird because as much as you're sitting here asking me questions, I want to ask, I want to be there. Next <laughs> podcast, I interview you. And then, because I'm so curious. Yeah, and I yeah. think that that curiosity and that adventure comes from making yourself just a little bit uncomfortable, mm -hmm. just a little bit uncomfortable. Do things that are just a little harder, a little different. You're capable of so much more than you think, but you never challenge yourself in that way. It doesn't have to be a big ice cold plunge or a whole thing like these guys do. Do something a little, just a little different and you'll get inspired and start, you know, let your mind and imagination waters because if you can imagine something, you can create it because like you said, that magic trick that you did as a kid creates a childlike sense of wonder mm -hmm. and that, that is astonishment and that's something that people have as infants and as we grow up and get control of our lives and the world around us, 
we tend to lose that and we go, ah, bah, humbug, and we don't do that. If you go to a baby and shake car keys, yeah, amazed. Oh my God. <laughs> if I levitate something, no reaction because the baby doesn't know that that's not impossible yet. Right. Just think of that and just think of how those invert. Imagine going up to an adult and shaking your car keys. What the hell's wrong? You know what I mean? But so there's the, you, so find the beauty in someone shaking their car keys. Find the, find, let that childlike sense of wonder open up a window for just a moment in your life to let in something new or some new thoughts and new things. And the biggest thing that, um, that I love is I often will smile at strangers. If you see someone without a smile, give them yours. Hmm. And you'd be surprised at that person, how you changes and how you view them, how it changes, how they view you. Do you have time for one more small thing? Mm -hmm. This is very important. There's a part of our brains. You know, they say you don't care what people think of you. It's actually not true. There's a very specific part of your brain. It's a technical term. But it actually monitors how the world around you treats you. And that will establish your self-worth or your value. So if people are looked at at a certain way by the public around them, they'll start to feel that way. And there's lots of studies and tests done to, to back this up over the years. It's amazing. So you want to spend your time with people that you love, that love you and that you love, because that's going to up your your not only your confidence, but how you view yourself. Mm. But you know what I mean? And people that judge you, you don't, you don't have to earn anyone's approval. You don't need anyone's permission. You know what I mean? Like that's the biggest thing that I think uh, I would like people to, to, from my life at least, to offer is to just know that how you view, the love that you put in yourself is going to come back to you tenfold. It really, 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 really is on a psychophysiological way, not in a, a, a woo-woo you know, kind of yeah. way. It's really, really a pragmatic way. And, um, and you can change your life. Like you can change your mindset like that. You can go to bed tonight, wake up tomorrow and go, that's it. I'm yeah. doing something different. You know, it's, it's amazing. I love that, Andrew. And I'm, I'm going to employ that because I think that's a great, uh, a great constant sort of reminder of like, Hey, what if I drove a different way home? My dad would always do that. Really? Always drive a different way home and drive my mom nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that technique and I, yeah. I love that suggestion. Yeah, and um, I appreciate that, and I thank you for sharing your magic painting. Thank you for sharing all that you did on this podcast. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for is having it, me. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap up? Uh, you've shared a lot, but no, just uh, love yourself and love each other. You can't love someone else till you love yourself. So you got to mm. send that love into yourselves and into your uh, into your body. And um, just as a side note, because I know we talk about music, all of my music I took it down off Spotify and iTunes because I'm going to repackage it and and put it out. So if someone's searching for me, they'd have to go to my andrewgerardofficial.com to hear my music right now be, or, or my YouTube channel to see music videos. So okay. Otherwise, it's not available. But yeah, Awesome. I will put all the links to your, your website and all the things you got going on below this video so people can check you out. Thank you again, Andrew. Thank you, brother. All the best, dude. Love you. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Well, that's it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I sure did. Every time I hang out with Andrew, he's always got a new magic trick or some way he's going to read my mind. <laughs> And every time, I kind of think I know how he does it, but I don't. Just like in this episode, when we cut the cameras, I said, I think I know how you did it. And he says, nope, that's not how I did it. <laughs> so he's a genius, and he's got his own podcast coming out. It's called Polymath Dropout. So if you want to check that out, the links are below. You can subscribe, you can watch, you can listen, and see more of Andrew Gerard's content in all the links below. So please check those out. I want to give a special thank you to Donnie Mack for live editing this episode. So I tried something new here where I had somebody behind the cameras and they were live editing 
as we were having this conversation. So thanks to Donnie Mac for your genius uh, video switching skills. I really appreciate it. I also want to thank each and every one of you who share this podcast, who comment, who's, who are subscribed, whether it be on timehascome.com, maybe you're a paying member on Substack, or you're a founder. Each and every one of you have made this possible for me, and I just want to send my love and my gratitude to each and every one of you for helping me make this possible. Thank you. You know who you are. Some of you contribute quite a bit to this show, and I really, really appreciate it. It makes it possible for me to continue to grow and share these stories, these interviews, and these experiences with all of you out there watching right now. If you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe to my channel. I really appreciate it. And I have more podcasts to come, more fun times and adventures as I'm traveling across Canada and the United States. I have a new book out. It's a new book of poetry. It's also called Time Has Come. You can get it on Amazon right now. I'm going to be doing a book tour Hang out, signing, meet and greets with people across Canada and the United States this coming year. So it's going to be a fun one for me. And I hope if you are interested that I get to meet you in person because that will be a lot of fun. Those details will be announced on timehascome.com and my social media networks. If you're not a member of timehascome.com, your first month is free. So you can head on over there, sign up, and hang out with everybody, get to meet new people, participate in our group chats. We got book clubs, we got different. Lots of different things going on there. So timehascome.com, sign up. Your first month is free. All right, guys, that's it from me. Much love to all of you. All the best. Cheers.